Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. This is Noelle today. I am with one of our Lumia instructors, one of our Lumia mentors, one of the coaches of the Lumia team, Julianne Weiss. How are you today? Oh, just thrilled to be here with you. I'm excited. I'm excited as well. And the topic we're going to hit today is, is I'm really excited to unpack a day in the life of an executive coach. And that's you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's do some unpacking. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, uh, executive coaching is a term that is floated around a lot. And I think that for folks who are thinking about becoming a coach, this is an area where there's a lot of mystique. Hmm. So can you please tell us about yourself as a human? Who are you as a human? And what is your coaching practice like in this area? Sure. Well, I, uh, I'm a Canadian who moved to Scottsdale, Arizona uh, with my husband um, to get away from the cold. <laughs> um, I had a career in uh, organizational development and talent management. Um, a lot of opportunities to be both a consultant, um, a facilitator, a trainer. And at the tail end of my career, uh, I was noticing that um, companies used to do a lot of these leadership development programs where they'd fly people in from all over the world and they'd bring in a facilitator and, you know, they do a three-day fire hose kind of learning event uh, when it's kind of a one-size-fits-nobody. Um, and uh, a lot of times, a lot of money gets spent without a huge return on investment. And so as coaching was starting to grow in uh, interest and reputation in terms of its impact, uh, we started offering coaching as a in, an internal way to help our leaders grow. And particularly, we would identify the high potential talent within our organization. And we'd say, you know, what's their trajectory to get to the next level? Um, how do we help them do that in a way that's powerful and accelerated in some cases? And the answer was coaching. Mm. So we were going to offer them coaching. And Um, So I started off doing some of that coaching work within the company that I was with. And then um, it got so popular and so many people wanted it. um, I also had to vet other coaches that we were going to be hiring from the outside and um, growing new coaches from the inside. Uh, And it was around that time that I decided I loved coaching so much that I stepped out on my own. Uh, And I offer executive coaching, consulting, and primarily facilitation now as part of my business. Awesome. Awesome. I have so many questions. (laughs) Okay. So you're, we're, we're inside of an organization. Um, How is talent identified? First of all, it used to be done individually. So a manager would look at their team and they would, they would have a performance uh, review template and they would 
essentially rate their team members uh, based on some benchmark criteria that was standardized within the organization. But there was always a favoritism aspect. We you know, used to call it halo and horns. And that if the, the manager or leader really liked somebody, you know, they, they sort of see past their um, challenges. And if they didn't like somebody, they often saw past their contributions. So a lot of organizations shifted to uh, this talent management structure where they would do what's called a, a calibration. And um, individual leaders um, would still do some some ranking of their teams, but then they had to come and they had to actually validate their ranking in front of other people. Um, and um, they use something called a nine block, which is essentially identifying um, two major themes, one that was based on performance of the individual and the other that was based on potential. And people who got in this um, nine box, the top box on the right, meant they had high performance and high potential. And they were the ones who were going to get the lion's share of investment. So Mm -hmm. those were the people who were going to get identified for either these big leadership development programs and or coaching. And um, so, so that's, that's now become more the, the standard is to have the individual rank and then go to a calibration that's facilitated by someone to make sure that we're coming to some degree of consensus to eliminate that halo and horns effect. The bias, the bias, mm-hmm. the that, bias. That you bet. In. Yeah. So performance is is pretty straightforward. But when we're thinking about a human in terms of potential, how does that show up? Mm. Yeah. Well, there's likely. Um, a, a variation here <laughs> in terms of themes. So I'll try to um, stay within um, kind of what my own philosophy is around it. Um, you know, part of the way it's described is um, do you have the capacity to shift from looking down at your work and a small group of other people's work and making that um, effective? Do you have the capacity to do that at a broader level where you're going to have a much bigger impact and be required to have a much um, broader contribution to the organization. So for example, there are lots of people who are incredibly talented at the job, right? So if you ask them to, to be an individual contributor, they have tasks and responsibilities and they can, they can hit it out of the ballpark and do an amazing job but if they then get tapped for uh, leadership or management, um, that's a completely different set of skills. And then sometimes it's antithetical to uh, what they've been doing as an individual contributor. And it's a mistake a lot of organizations have made, right? Is, oh, you're really good. So let's put you, know, you in charge of 12 other people. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons why executive coaching exists is that as people ascend within organizations, the breadth of transition that's required is so significant that you could say it's a 180 from uh, what they were doing that potentially uh, made them successful and high performers. So um, when we talk about potential, we're really talking about do they have the adaptability, flexibility, interest, uh, resilience to make these gigantic shifts in what their focus is? So 
this is so enlightening. And, and something that, that I'm thinking about, um, is, is my own experience, uh, becoming a CEO and, and also what I absorb, um, working with folks who are kind of in the change process. And then what I, what I see taking place in organizations and, and one of the key factors in that transition from potential upward is, is psychosocial behavior Mm. that as you were describing, you know, the capacity to suddenly manage 12 people, that's a lot of that's a lot of social dynamics. Yes. That's a lot of psychosocial dynamics. How frank are conversations within these realms with folks about what is going to be required of them from a mental and emotional perspective to effectively engage folks? Um, it, they're not frank enough, not often enough. That's that's certainly been my experience. And um, and often, you know, it's shortcut it, right? It's like, we've decided we're going to invest in you and we want to accelerate you and promote you. Um, and, you know, they often paint one side of a, a very complex and multidimensional uh, picture um, and people get into these new roles. And this is where they, they fail a lot because they, they, they didn't have someone helping them see that everything that really help them be successful as an individual contributor probably won't be very helpful to them now that they have 12 people that are reporting into them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, thinking about how this works, um, from, from a coach meets client perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, you said there, there are some key areas where people typically fail, um, because they weren't prepared adequately as an executive coach, what's been your experience? At what point are you brought in? At what point do you intersect with folks? Um, is it organizationally driven or is it the human who's saying, I'm in over my head? It, it, it comes in both forms. I would say the prevalence is higher that the org um, says, hey, we tap this person um, and we're not seeing what we expected to see. Um, and they're overwhelmed and we can see it and, um, it's often too late. (laughs) What I would say is like, there's been a lot of collateral damage done. Um, and you know, some companies of course get it right and they, um, provide coaching alongside the promotion or even in advance of it, um, so that people can, um, do the heavy lifting and the work and understand the nature of the transitions that are going to be. Uh, placed upon them um, prior to ending up with, you know, this huge uh, group of people that they now have to inspire, um, motivate, direct, etc. What do you work on with people when you executive coach? Yeah, Um, a lot of different things and a lot of similar things to what life coaches would work with people on. So it's, it's kind of the full gamut. I think the the biggest differences are, um, I use a lot of, uh, frameworks, instruments, tools, um, mental models, uh, and, and even, you know, uh, a lot of content that I've learned from the ton of reading that I've done uh, to, to really support and give the client uh, a prompt to reflect from, something that uh, is sort of a structure that, that we can come back to because it, it provides for measurement, which uh, in many cases is 
required by the organization, right? They're, they're going to say, hey, we're going to bring you in. We, we want an executive coach for this individual, but we want to see movement and progress. And so the, the use of these tools and systems um, helps me make sure that we've got some benchmarks to start from, because as you can imagine, right, some of this stuff is subjective in nature. You know, how do you uh, ideally uh, measure someone's progress as they're ramping up their ability to deal with um, conflict? Uh, How do you measure um, their ability to communicate in a way that inspires um, and motivates people? Like some of those things have subjective qualities to them. And so having some set of tools to support that um, can make a big difference. And an example would be um, using a 360 model, um, other forms of self-assessment um, that allow people to, uh, you know, sort of rate where they're at right now. And then we can do it again later on in the, in the engagement to see whether or not some of those uh, things have changed. So, Many of our Lumia students listen to this podcast to keep them company as they prepare for their ICF um, evaluation. And what I'm hearing from you is a really interesting um, rundown of how sponsorship works. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, sponsorship is uh, when someone else is paying for the client to be coached. And you mentioned that most organizations, if they're sponsoring someone for executive coaching, want to see that measurement. Mm -hmm. How do you, as a coach, navigate those sponsorship conversations where you're saying, you know, this is a human who's going to prepare for conflict. This is really hard to measure. Yeah. Um, Well, let me talk about the sponsorship um, conversations first. Um, They're incredibly important to get right. Um, And I'll often um, start off by meeting with the sponsor and doing a discovery with them. What brought this to um, for you to reach out to get a coach? Like, give me some history. I want to know some of the context for lots of different reasons. Um, I want to know how well it's been communicated. to the client, the potential client? Has the client been given specific feedback? Has the client been told that they are getting a coach? If they have, what were the conditions uh, of that conversation? Were they punitive in nature? Were they were so excited about what you can bring to the equation that we've got you a coach because we want to you know, deeply invest in you? I, I really need to hear a, a lot about what the ecosystems are currently Because I have learned the hard way that if the sponsor and the client are misaligned in their view about why they're getting coaching, um, I try to run in the opposite direction as fast as I can. Yes. um, Because it's very messy to be in the middle. Um, Yeah. And that's such a strong point. You know, I, the impulse to run as far as you can from a bad client setup is something that is born of experience in coaching. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have the scars to prove it. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, for our listeners, I just, I really want to highlight this because when we first start out, you know, there's, there's this, this impulse to be chosen. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how have you learned to balance the validation that comes from your services 
um, being sought after and really looking at a contract and saying, I don't think this is going to be a good experience. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm, it's important that everyone knows, right? When you do this kind of work, um, there's a lot of financial reward to being an executive coach, but it comes along with also a tremendous amount of pressure. And um, you're really only as good as your last gig. So if uh, you've been able to support someone through positive change and the sponsor and the client are aligned and they move along that continuum and then they have really positive things to say about the uh, experience, the likelihood of you getting another client there is very high. Um, and that's happened to me in the last 10 years over and over again. But I've also had the opposite happen where I didn't do a very good job. This was early on in my career. Uh, I didn't do a very good job of really digging in with the sponsor. So I did a, a, a better job of contracting with the client, but I didn't do a good enough job uh, with the sponsor. And then the lack of clarity becomes, um, you know, like a train coming at you at 75 miles an hour because, you know, they reach out to you and say, hey, nothing's happening. What are you doing? Are you wasting our time and money? Um, and, you know, it's often because, again, you didn't spend enough time really discovering what's on their mind. What are their expectations? How are they looking at this? What kinds of measurements did they have on their mind? And how aligned are they with, you know, what the client's feeling? So now I have to do a deep discovery with both parties, both a sponsor. And sometimes there's more than one sponsor, Noel. You know this, right? Sometimes HR's in the middle and there's a leader up above HR. And so now we've got two sponsors weighing in plus the client. Um, I have to meet with all three of those people to find out, are they on singing from the same you know, song page or are they all different? Because when they're all different, um, it doesn't mean it might not be possible for me to help catalyze some alignment that can happen. Uh, it's not been uh, the majority of my experience. The majority of my experience now is if I feel that misalignment, um, I tell them that, um, thank you so much for the opportunity. My calendar's too full right now. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, fair and fair. So when you're in a situation where there's more than one sponsor, do you set a separate sponsorship agreement with each entity? Uh, typically not. Um, typically there's two for me. One is uh, a contract that's with the sponsor, right? So that's got a lot more of the financial pieces in it. Um, but it also talks about expectations and, you know, measurement uh, that we may use um, through tools and models and things like that. Um, and then the, the agreement that probably most of the coaches who are listening are familiar with, it would be direct client to client. That still happens as well. Um, but I may have three different meetings, you know, sponsor one, sponsor two, and then the, the, the actual client. Um, but then I also will often bring the two sponsors together for the contracting meeting, right? So now mm -hmm. we come together, um, we're all talking to one another at the same time. And I'm doing what I hope is a uh, definitive job of clarifying uh, that we're all in agreement about the language that's baked into that contract. This is so valuable because it is shedding a light on skill sets that sit alongside the actual craft mm -hmm. of coaching when you're in this space. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than, um, than maybe meets the, the eye. The coaching is, is certainly, uh, I think the media is part of it, but being able to have these conversations that in, in some cases can be, um, like filled with a little bit of tension and um, being able to navigate through that to get the level of clarity required, uh, it, it's important. Yeah. So what does a typical day look like for you or maybe a, a span of typical days? Yeah. Well, I, um, I try to keep my hand in the things that um, I've built up over a period of time as what I would consider to be strengths. Uh, one of them is facilitation. So I, I teach uh, classes for Lumia and I'm also a mentor coach for Lumia. So a, a portion of my week is doing those things. Um, I also do some third party work. So I've been able to collaborate with several organizations that do uh, leadership development programs, some of them just for women and some of them for uh, mixed gender and uh, alongside those programs where they come, and now, of course, we're on Zoom. It used to be that I was in person, but now we're on Zoom, and I'm doing some facilitation. And then we also offer them one-on-one -on -one coaching as part of those programs. So, uh, And then I have my own direct clients uh, that come to me through my network, um, and I coach them. So I'd say, you know, busy weeks uh, are a little bit of all of those things and the quieter weeks are, you know, primarily um, coaching and instructing for Lumia. Yes. And, and you run your own women's leadership program as well. Do I have that right? Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, it's uh, called uh, confidence and executive presence for women. It's a six month program with workshops and uh, individual coaching and uh, the, the goal with that particular program really is to help women demystify what does it mean to say you have executive presence. We know it's collateral to confidence, um, but we try to demystify it and also to sort of crack open the very specific habits that potentially derail other people's perspective on what executive presence looks like. Mm, um, so, that is... Yeah. That is such cool work. It, it is fun. It is really fun. So given the, the breadth of, of your experience and everything that you do, what's your favorite? <laughs> oh, oh, I tell you, it's so hard. It's like asking me uh, what my favorite national park is. I couldn't say. Um, I love teaching um, the classes for Lumia because we've got all these really fabulous people coming in and they're, um, they're generous, they're curious, they're um, interested, um, and they're compelled to do what I think is, you know, powerful work. Um, it's really rewarding. Thank you. And, you know, I'm, I'm also thinking about um, how valuable your work is in the world. When we're thinking about you know, the folks that come to your doorstep, the folks that, that really need help um, in developing their, their potential and navigating the world. What are three things that you feel people truly gain from working with you? Yeah. Well, you've heard the expression, it's lonely at the top over and over again. And I think it's very true. I live it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Uh -huh. 
And uh, for a lot of people as they're ascending in, in an organization, well, you know, there's a part of that that's very exciting for them, right? That they've um, clearly achieved enough to, to be seen as someone who can contribute at a very high level. Um, if you have doubts, insecurities, uh, days where you have lack of confidence, where imposter syndrome shows up, or um, you just you know, feel crushed by the weight of the pressure, um, who do you talk to? Because if you go internally, people are going to start um, potentially changing their perspective and perception of your capability. And so you can't go there. So who do you go to? Well, you, you have to have someone who can both champion you, remind you of, of your capability, challenge you appropriately, um, and mostly listen. So I think one of the first things that a lot of people at this level want is a sounding board. They want someone where it's safe to be vulnerable. They want someone where it's safe to say what's on their mind um, and know that it's going to be held in complete confidentiality. Mm. I think the second thing is... Um, you had it in one of your um, your recent articles that you wrote, Noel. I, I don't know the, how many people know this, but seventy to ninety percent of human behavior by the time we're an adult is habituated. Like mm-hmm. we aren't really thinking critically. We aren't really thinking strategically. We're just going over the net neural pathways that exist, <laughs> right? And and so um, th- the the problem is that many of those thoughts were strengths, you know two years ago, and those same thoughts don't serve us anymore. And we've got to get out of our own way by sort of scrambling the the network in our head and and seeing whether or not we can lay down some new uh, options and perspectives. And so having somebody often who comes in from the outside, doesn't know your context, right, isn't seeped in the world that you're living and breathing every day, um, likely is going to... um, politely or boldly provoke you to start um, accessing parts of your thinking process that you either have an access for a long time or maybe never have. So that would be the second thing, right? Um, and then I think, you know, for a lot of us, we, we, we think things and they get stuck in our head and they get convoluted and we don't even know what we don't know or we, we don't even know what we know. And having somebody who helps us surface that is very clarifying, right? I can talk through it and I can rearrange it and I can say, well, no, maybe that's not it. Maybe it's this. Um, And you've got somebody there who's trained to be both an incredibly active listener, um, also someone who's, I'm going to call out where you might be bumping up into a wall and, and support you as you climb up to get over the other side of it. Mm. Thank you so much for um, your elegant vulnerability. <laughs> in, You're in, welcome. I didn't know I had that. <laughs> yes, you do. You have it in space. And, uh, you know, I've learned so much from from speaking with you today. And um, I hope that some folks who are listening are, are really inspired to pursue the same path as you, because as we look at the world around us, um, we are as good as our leaders. Mm. And, you know, the, the world that 
that we see is is constructed of vision. And so we need good coaches to support good leaders so that that vision can really take us into the future in in a healthy, effective way. And I think that that's what coaching does. Um, So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for the time that you put into developing your craft. And where can folks find you? Well, two places. Uh, They can find me on LinkedIn. And that's the um, social media spot that I hang out in most. Uh, And then my website. Awesome. Awesome. And we will put these in the show notes so that folks can uh, reach out to you with questions, with with asks. And of course, in our Lumia classrooms, we are, we're honored to have you. Well, thank you for having me here today. It was super fun, uh, Noelle. It was super fun. (laughs) It was super fun. We'll do it again. There's so much more to talk about. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.